friends. Welcome to episode 25 of the Middle Class Musician Podcast. Uh, this week I sat down with Kyle Cummings, uh, who I met a few weeks ago, and we were going to grab coffee, and then uh, I decided we could instead just sit down and, and get to know each other via podcast land a little bit. So uh, we got to chat about uh, what he does uh, as, a, as a freelance producer and uh, kind of just talk about that life. And um, I'm going to let it get right to it. Uh, besides the fact that if you've been listening and enjoying the podcast, I know like every podcast that exists uh, requests this, but if you take a minute just to do a review on iTunes, uh, assuming you enjoy the show, a, a good review. Um, that does a lot to bump it up in search engines and all that and all the mystical iTunes ways. So uh, that would be greatly appreciated. I know it's easy to not, especially because usually people listen to podcasts while they're doing something else. But I'm asking kindly and pleading, please, please. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all of that. Uh, enjoy the show, guys. Kyle Cummings, coming at you. Uh, sitting down with Kyle Cummings today. That's, Hello. That's how you pronounce it? That's how I. That's how the world. There's really. I can't it. think of any other way. No, it's super. It's alliterated. It. I mean, you can't go wrong. Um, we'll just dive into the obvious. Let's do it. Was there a lot of jokes about Cummings growing up, high school, <laughs> middle school? Man, I no, no, not really. Hmm. And I and I've actually thought about that because maybe now there will be. Maybe now, maybe I'll yeah, maybe high school kids yeah. friends will come out of the woodwork to be like man i really want to tell you these things current, but, uh, current high schoolers will find you and they will point out yeah. the jokes i was a weird kid in high school though. i was super introverted okay and i think i kind of i gave off kind of a vibe of like not one to be messed with sure and a lot of tough that just guy. yeah well not t- no not at all actually i was i wasn't a tough guy i was a scrawny little okay tall white kid but like the i just I just, you know, it was, it was more of a defense mechanism. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was just like, hey, I'm fragile, don't mess with me. Don't, yeah. And, but I'll, I'll also mess you up with my words if, if yeah, I need Yeah, if to, you so. try. If you play the Cummings card, I will, <laughs> I will run around you with my words. That's right. Some, I feel like there's certain brand of like introverted that looks very angry, even when mm. they're trying to be like nice. So I could see in high school, like if you had people, especially before they really realize who they are as a person in, yeah. in, in human interactions. There's like a, yeah, a certain type of like awkwardness that some people have who aren't comfortable interacting with people that comes off as like, yeah, this person wants to punch me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and they hate everything I'm saying to them. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I hope I wasn't your last name. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm sure people did behind my back, but uh, yeah. yeah. Some people just aren't that fun to make fun of either. So it just doesn't happen. No, I don't think I would have been that fun. I would have yeah. been like, yeah, it's, I was born with it, you know? Like, <laughs> it's my name that I was given, so, so there it is. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I was, yeah, really quiet in high school. I, had, I went from private school to public, and I just shut down because I went from <clears throat> private Christian school, very small bubble. Literally, it, it was the smallest of the classes I had, but my fifth grade class was five 
people, five males. Mm. Um, and so my social skills were not being really fostered as far <laughs> as meeting new people. And then I went to a school that was still relatively small, but we had, you know, went from five people to, in my class, 260 or whatever mm. heathens by the way. And I had no idea. Wait, you, but you went to Christian school, right? It was Christian. And then it went to public. Oh, so okay, I okay. went from five Christian peers to, I was just going to make a joke about you a thousand going to Christian school and having heathens. I'm like, is that possible? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I thought was, that that was the reason people sent their kids. To right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I went from. And then all of a sudden I had no idea. I, in my very, you know, just naive kid bubble way of seeing the world, I just didn't assume that the same ways of interacting would carry over. So I would just sit there quietly. Yeah. I went into a big bubble or a small, small bubble for, for a while. And then by college, I kind of remembered how to communicate with people. (laughs) That's pretty similar progression to me. Like, it's funny, like my, my dad, he's like, man, you, you were such a happy kid. Like Mm -hmm. middle school, like most people hate middle school. Yeah. And I like thrived in middle school. Like (laughs) I was peak too early. Yeah. Like I'm, like played foot, like I played every sport known to man. Yeah, and, yeah. And like had a ton of friends, and then you know it was this bright eyed and bushy tail. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to take high school by storm, and then I got to high school, and then it was like, zoop. yep. And then I just it's weird. Hold up. What did you have like a thing that? Because mine was yeah very obvious. Looking back, why you know for most of it, why I shriveled into myself. Yeah, uh, which is an unfortunate phrase um, <laughs> um but did you have like a moment i don't think it is i think we're actually really grateful that you said that yeah i guess so uh did you have a moment that was like the reason you think you you know switched because we're a public school so it would have been mostly yeah i grew up in people, public school right? that you'd keep going with yeah man i yeah i don't know man like i'm i'm definitely an introvert but like i just i'm a deep thinker like mm-hmm. and you know, I've, I've had my, my personal struggles in life that like manifested themselves pretty early on. Yeah. And I think I'm just, I'm a deep thinker, deep feeler. Um, and I'm just, I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty empathetic person. Yeah. And I think I just got hit pretty early in life with some stuff that, that really, I'm not going to say like robbed me of my innocence, but kind of, kind of put me in my head Put you at a high, not high, a, a slightly more sophisticated way of seeing the world and maybe your peers. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't the kid in high school that was, in fact, I judged the, the people just because of my, you know, upbringing. Like, yeah. Um, that were going out and partying every right, right. Friday and Saturday night in high school and whatever. And uh, and I was also like, like late middle school, I was developing, like figuring out that I was freaking crazy about music and mm-hmm. like messing around with like drums and guitar and like started writing songs and like playing in like some crappy bands and right, you know right. what I'm saying? That's so the way to do it. I was kind of like, like exiting sports phase. Mm-hmm. Sports Kyle was, was diminishing and like yeah, music. Sure. So I was, you know, I was being approached to like play in like marching band. I was like, no, I don't, don't really want to do that. Like, so you didn't do the traditional school side? No, yeah. no, I, I didn't. I did like middle school band, mm-hmm. which I loved. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I played like, um, like orchestral drums and yeah. like snare drum and stuff like that and loved it. Um, I always was trying to, to piece together like 
a drum kit out of the stuff in like the orchestra yeah. pit. Like, like I want to play the bass drum and the snare drum. <laughs> like, you know, you do. Well, like, you can't do that. I'm like, but I can, I know I can. <laughs> uh, I do it at home. Yeah. So like, no, I, so I don't know. I, I think that I was just very obviously like I broke my arm really bad playing football and okay. in middle school. And I had like this full arm cast on and, uh, the only thing that I was concerned about was not because the doctor told me, he's like, Hey, you're, you're probably going to have pretty limited motion. And oh, you know, really? yeah. And I was freaked out because I was like, man, am I not going to be able to play guitar anymore? Cause you yeah. know, kind of turn you need your, some motion. There's my left arm and I play right hand. So like, yeah. And drums, like I was freaked out by it. And, uh, so a couple of weeks into having my cast on, <clears throat> I like, I was like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, so I, I ended up, this sounds terrible and gross, but like I gnawed like part of my cast off that goes between my thumb and my index finger so that I could get, yeah, it's terrible, (laughs) terrible teeth because of it too. No, so I could get my hand around the neck of my guitar and like figure out how to play it. Oh, wow. Or not, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, you know, I had a broken arm and I was, my mom came in she's like, what did you do to your cast? You know, I was like, I I bit it. I I literally gnawed it off until it didn't exist anymore. And any more questions, mom? <laughs> yeah, no, she it was kind of like a light bulb moment for her. She's like, I think, you know, I think this is pretty telling of, yeah, right, of what you care about and what you want to do. And so, yeah, I, I kind of quit like I was playing basketball and baseball and football and everything and kind of quit it all cold turkey and yeah, started playing in bands and playing at church and you know, writing really terrible songs like everybody else does when yeah. they're eighth, ninth, 10th grade. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So I kind of went, went feet first into That's that cool. and, and honestly didn't really, didn't really look back. Did you do, um, did you go to school post high school for it at all? What did you do? Yeah. So I, I went to a, a large evangelical college, um, that had like traveling ministry like full scholarship oh, cool. traveling ministry teams that would go and play at churches and stuff which school is that liberty university oh yeah yeah in Lynchburg, Virginia. classic it is yeah so i you know i was you know i grew up christian kid and yeah like my mom went there and like my one of my youth pastors went there mm-hmm. and i found out you know they've they've got a handful of teams that like will pay for your school. Yeah. If, you know, if you're good enough to get on. I think I remember teams. hearing about that when I was looking at schools. Yeah. And I was, man, I was just like dead set on that. I didn't, yeah. even, I didn't even apply anywhere else. And so I applied to go there and like, um, and so when I was a freshman, I tried out and fortunately they had like two or three drum positions opening up mm-hmm. and man, I, I, like I made one yeah. and I was just, and I wasn't going to be able to stay like I couldn't cause the tuition is crazy. The oh, right. Private school out of state. Um, cause I grew up in South Carolina in the schools in Virginia, but, um, no, I, like I made one of the teams and I like, made the one that I wanted to make and, and it like paid for the rest of my college. So oh, I was nice. able to stay and that's awesome. And I, like I wanted, I think by that time I realized like, like I kind of wanted to, to do something like producing or engineering. I didn't really know, yeah. like, but I knew I didn't want to like be a music major cause mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, want to play like classical guitar the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the only other thing was like to be a worship and music ministries major, which yeah. I knew I didn't want to be a worship mm-hmm. leader. Um, and you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but like they taught basically like a dumbed down version of like 
they taught like, you know, like Nashville numbers and like oh, nice. kind of gave me a 30,000 because I played by ear. Yeah. I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know how to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was very, very much self-taught played by ear, but <clears throat> I didn't have a way, I didn't have a language in which to, to communicate music. Yeah. And, yeah. Sure. So I, I learned that there and it was incredibly valuable and I use it every day now. Um, did you do the full four years? I did the full four years, man. Nice. I, Yeah. It was it was crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. The uh, did the program like were you gone most of the time then? As far as the travel, so for that, interesting. The so most of the teams travel, and mm-hmm. the one the band that I made was like the campus praise band. Oh, okay. And cool. so we we played. We were just on campus playing for like the student body. So yeah, at the time like they chapels, had that kind of thing. Huh? Like the chapels they would do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at Liberty they call them convocations. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, they're like. There's three convocations per week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they're all required. So mm-hmm. you're you're playing for like, you know, ten or twelve thousand of your wow, yeah. student body peers, which is that's probably fun to have. It was that a routine. lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was it was an incredible experience. Mm. Like, I mean, it's and it's totally weird as like a like a nineteen, twenty, twenty one year old to play for that many people. Yeah, in the same venue, and you know, like. For, for Liberty, mm-hmm. too, which is like a pretty big machine. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's got its hands in a lot of controversies and politics yeah, right. and stuff like that. And But it's like, I'm just here to play music. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> but it was, man, I, you know, I have m- my views and things I've evolved on um, since graduating. And, yeah. But, man, I have no regrets about having, having gone there and the mm-hmm. opportunities that I got and the relationships there are still some of my lifelong relationships now, and I met my wife there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like Richard Rohr says, man, everything belongs. Right. And that's right. just that's part of that was, that was a huge part of my journey. There. Yeah. Yeah, and even what I do now, like producing, and I mean, some many of my first artists uh, that I worked with producing were just friends from college, and mm-hmm. still today I work with people that are friends from college. Yeah. That, do you get a lot of people from Liberty that pop out to Nashville that were in like your, your bubble then music bubble? Yeah, man. And it's funny. Like we moved here, my wife and I moved here four and a half years ago. And, uh, like the first couple years, I just knew like a handful of people that had already moved here. Mm -hmm. Like that I was friends with in college or that I knew from that, from that time. And now, oh my goodness, man, I, I, dozens yeah yeah you know like so there's just a huge influx of people i imagine especially uh nashville being like the the music city that is the only one that's like in the bible belt that's like at least you know of the like the new york la nashville and then the liberty you know evangelical side i would imagine most people who are doing music there who want to be serious about it you would go to Nashville then yeah. or LA or New York. For sure. Nashville. I mean, it's, a, it's you know, between Nashville <laughs> and Atlanta, it's kind of the hub of okay, Christian yeah. music. And, yeah. Or if you want to be a worship artist, like, I think it's a very, and Nashville's just a freaking cool place to it live, is. too. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has so much to offer. And it's just, I mean, if you are a fan of music or if you're a musician yourself, like, it's just a wonderful community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that draws a lot of people, even a lot of non musicians. I mean, I've got a couple of friends that have moved here that are um, like uh, videographers and yeah, they just, right. they're really involved in film and um, and they 
found a, an amazing life here. Yeah. And they're not necessarily as involved in the music side of things, but I'll be interested to see how the, the film side of the Nashville industry keeps growing. You yeah. Know, just even with the, you know, influx of people coming naturally, you're going to get a, a bump, but it yeah. being a creative town. Oh, I, that, I, that'll be a cool, I couldn't imagine it not yeah. taking off. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a good friend here who is, who is an actor and he makes his living as an actor mm-hmm. and he's not in LA, he's right. not in New York, yeah. he's in Nashville, yeah. you know, and he's, I mean, we, we watched one of his movies on, uh, he was in a Christmas movie that was on Hallmark. Oh, cool. Uh, and we watched, I mean, I was just channel surfing with, at my folks house in South Carolina yeah. and I was like, Oh my God, that's the talent. You Alan. can admit that you're watching Hallmark. <laughs> well, my parents, <laughs> it's between Lifetime Hallmark and Fox News oh, at, yeah, at yeah. my house. Yeah. So we just kind of channel surfed the, between those the two Trinity. channels. So, <laughs> yeah. The Holy Trinity. Um, what was I going to say? Something with, Oh, Nashville. It's interesting to, uh, Culture-wise, I've been here now since the first few years were were school, so it was kind of like half living here. But it would be a little over six years, and the amount of people that are like coming, moving here is like crazy. Mm. Um, but I'm I feel like the the unfortunate thing is like the vibe that used to exist of. Uh, which probably was, you know, I probably even just six years ago didn't even see the full extent of what it used to be. But the the celebrity uh, vibe of, you know, Keith Urban walking through your coffee mm-hmm. shop and everyone's like, oh, it's Keith Urban, but nobody like does anything mm-hmm. is not going to is is basically dying. I feel like I feel like it'll become just like a, any other big city mm. because. Where people are like celebrities getting hassled. Yeah, and, and like people are coming because they've read a blog about Nashville being the place where Keith Urban walks into your coffee shop. So mm. then they come and they're waiting. And that's for the expectation. Shop, which yeah. I can't. I I get it. I when I moved to town, I wanted to meet Taylor Swift, and I knew what building she. <laughs> you like, and my wife too. The tower man. she lived in, and I, my family and I went to dinner across the street from the building. Not because of the place yeah. that we were eating dinner, but because we were like, maybe we should walk outside. Yeah. We weren't going to like do anything, but we yeah. were, you know, thought it was cool. So people are coming doing that. And uh, I went with my girlfriend to uh, the Opry Mills, you know, mm-hmm. big mall they have. Uh, and we wore, it was like Sunday afternoon. We were going to like a matinee movie. So we were kind of like sweats vibe, you know, very minimal. So we were both wearing hats and she had like her hat forward and kind of like down a little bit and was like sweats and people were like looking, trying to look under her cat. Like she was noticing people like staring at her, trying to see if she was famous mm. because she was doing the like incognito. Yeah. You know, uh, if you go anywhere indoors and you've got your sunglasses on yeah. and you just people expect were, everybody like, to, looking, to look trying, at you. It was just weird. So like that's a big flip from being like not only were we not famous people who were, you know, not being, it was like, we were just, we're, we're no one. And, you know, still getting like almost harassed on her yeah. head. You're getting press yeah. and you're like, I haven't done anything. I, just, <laughs> I just didn't like dress normally. Yeah. I didn't even get fully dressed. So it was, the national yeah, scene is like famous looking couple mm-hmm. walks in bar taco and. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird uh, change. So it'll be, I mean, it's a good growth is obviously good for the city. I think it'll just change yeah. the vibe which then you wonder what will be the next reason for people. You know, that was part of the reason why people wanted to be here. Yeah. Well, I hope, um, I just hope there continues to be a, a lot of just 
uber creative people that, yeah. and hardworking people that move here and decide like, Hey, this place is a, is a hub for opportunity mm-hmm. if you work really hard and you, you jump out of the airplane, so to speak, you yeah. know, and don't pull the parachute right away and just stay like, stay for years. Yeah. For, commit stay to for it. A few, yeah. Stay for a few. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that come in for like a year like, no, nah, I didn't get yeah. famous. And I think that's fine. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I, I really do, man. I think some people figure out like, man, the music thing is freaking hard. Oh yeah. It's hard. And after a year they're like, yeah, I, I love music, but I don't, I don't want to rely on it as a means yeah. to, That's and totally I get fair. that. I have no judgment for those, yeah. for those people. And I mean, I've, you know, I've definitely, definitely had my moments in the past four and a half years of being like, man, this is freaking hard. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, I've, I just, I never had a black, I didn't have a backup plan. Yeah. So I, I mean, I very much, my wife and I, we moved here and it's like, well, it's, you know, it's go big or go home. Right. So we just, we went all in and I'm super glad we did. Yeah, totally. And so you do for people, obviously, uh, filling them in on what you do, your producing is your primary, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, thing you're doing music wise. And as you said, you started by playing drums and guitar yeah. and all that and writing some music for yourself and all that. Yeah. When did that transition then to the point where you could uh, expect people to start paying <laughs> you to be producing them versus, you know, yeah. playing with them or for them? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of been my evolution. Um, I, I would say I, f- I first got paid to produce something after I had um, made a record of my own. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did that with no, no aspirations of being an artist really. Like I'll, by the time I was in college and I'm, so I made a record my senior year in college. Um, and I, I was just obsessed with writing songs like, and was obsessed with recording. Like I was accumulating some recording gear and, um, I just, I had a lot of just access to just really good friends that were musicians and stuff. So yeah. So I actually, I ended up playing almost all the instruments on that record. It was a full length. Were you, you weren't in Nashville this time? No, no, no. This is in my, this is in Lynchburg in my college oh, town. Okay, gotcha. And I, and there just weren't, honestly, there just weren't a lot of people that were like producing music and like releasing music there. At least stuff that I was interested in that mm-hmm. I thought was, was really good. And I didn't really know that my stuff was that sure, great, sure. but I was, I was just, I was kind of a go-getter. Like I just was like, you know what, this year... It's my, it's my last year here. I really want to like take some, these songs and I want to make them something. Yeah. And I didn't have any money. You like so I I mixed them all myself and I listen back to them now. Obviously, like everybody yeah, who does right, what I right. do does, and then they cringe. But man, like I, people loved that record. Mm-hmm. And so a, a, f- a couple friends of mine approached me about like, hey, like can you? Can you record some of my songs and let's work together on some stuff? Yeah. And I was thrilled by it um, because I had the stuff to do it. And I think at that time, like I determined um, I didn't want to be an artist. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe I'd be like a tour musician, which I did a little bit of that. Like when I first moved here to Nashville, but man, there was just this idea of like making records that freaking kept me up at night. Yeah. And I was just like, how can I do this? And how can I like charge for it? Mm-hmm. You know, like how does that work? And yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, that was 2009. It's been seven or eight years of, you know, figuring that out. And um, so for the past 
four and a half, I guess, or so years. I've, you know, I've been doing that full time. And, yeah. You know, it's, I didn't start out making good money at all. But, right. Oh, yeah. Um, but you figure it out and, mm-hmm. you know, your stuff gets better and better. And it's just kind of a snowball, a little bit of a snowball effect. Totally. Yeah. Do you end up doing, because since you play, you know, drums and guitar, it kind of means that you can kind of play the spectrum as yeah. far as, you know, you can ease your way into bass if you have to and you can yeah. ease your way into, you know, perk or whatever. Yeah. Do you end up doing some of that to, to totally. alleviate yeah, and offset? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I like it too. Like, yeah. I love playing bass and that's, that's for friends of my people that know me, like, like even good friends of mine don't even really know that about me, but I yeah. love playing bass guitar. Um, it's like one of my favorite things to, yeah. tra- to track and I do a lot of it. Like, um, if I have a good budget, I'll love, there's a couple of people I love to hire mm-hmm. for it. Um, but I play drums on almost all of the records I produce. Cool. Sometimes out of necessity, uh, sometimes just for budget reasons. Yeah, right. I can record it at, at my studio, you know, and, uh, you know, you can spend a thousand dollars a day renting out just a drum studio and then you yeah. pay a really good drummer. It gets expensive. Um, so being, an independent producer, you know, you've got to keep your eye on the budget. And right. So I, you know, I play on most of the records that I do and I play a lot of the acoustic guitar and sure. Um, the things that I find that I consistently hire out are, um, electric guitar and, yeah. and keys. Cool. Yeah. Do you end up like for, did you play electric guitar at all? Like, did you like, <laughs> to, like, did you have that wheelhouse as oh, far yeah. as tone and all that? Oh uh, gosh. I didn't have a wheelhouse of tone by any means. Okay, My, yeah. I had an electric, I got an electric guitar when I was in high school and <laughs> I got a boss ME30 mm-hmm. digital multi effects processor. I had the Vox tone lab <laughs> through, through the beginning of college. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, and I just thought I was in heaven uh-huh. playing, playing through my collective soul records mm-hmm. and figuring out how to match tone match. And I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Man, it was so helpful though. Like, yeah. Um, I don't, man, I don't even have hardly any electric guitar gear anymore. And I, and I sure as heck don't attempt to play it on records. Not when yeah. you live in a town with Nate Duggars and mm-hmm. Chris Donigans and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I just, oh, what those guys do with an electric guitar oh, yeah. is it's, why am I going to try to, attempt, you know what I'm right. saying? Well, like, like, I mean, it's, it's like the adage here in mm-hmm. town. It's like, you don't if you're not a freaking great guitar player, you don't move to guitar player and say you're a guitar player. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, it's just not the talent to claim yeah. <laughs> to be that. Yeah. There's no reason. I remember I, in high school, I would think I would kind of switch back and forth when I would play and sing between like playing piano and playing guitar. And <clears throat> I, I played guitar, but I did not really like play. I did like Coldplay piano. Yeah. Uh, and that was like the maximum yeah. of my chops. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool to like do both because like the the idea to like the general public is like if a lead singer is do, doing multiple instruments like wow it's really cool it's yeah cool. and then I got here and I was like I never why would I ever touch the piano ever yeah. again <laughs> like there's people that can just do incredible things and why would I fake it for the right. sake of like having two instruments on stage yeah um, I mean it's it's some street cred yeah you know? I mean there's a level of respect that comes with yeah that for sure there is nothing that I do I mean I I do it because it helps with my own producing yeah. it helps with uh 
making me more flexible. So like I found my own reasons to do it again, but for the sake of like, the reason I did it then was just cause it was like cool to have both. Yeah. And there was nothing, nothing Nashville cool about what I was doing on the piano. It was, <laughs> it was just faking it. Uh, so that was yeah, a lesson I learned when you moved to town and you realized why there's no need like to, yeah. to fake my ways things. If I have a budget to pull in people. Yeah. Or even just some good friends that yeah. believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And, like, more than happy to right. play for you and with you. That's why I have a I have a house with two roommates that we yeah. have all the ingredients to, it is. The, to do everything yeah. uh, all in house, which helps. Um, did uh, when you're doing like hiring out uh, guitar and all that kind of stuff? Do you have like the same kind of people you're returning to on a regular like you know yeah. the same few people? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I mean it's. Like I use a guy named Nathan Duggar, who's uh, who was in Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Oh, cool! He's been playing with him for a long time and does a lot of studio work too. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you just you find a, a small group of people that like he's a chameleon, man. Like, he, yeah, he's just I, I can't speak highly enough about his ability, but he's also just a really great session. Like, he's a great hang. Yeah, it's really fun to spend a whole day with. Yeah, so you're um, pulling him in usually too. You're not doing like uh, hiring out as far as like he's got some like if they have their home break or whatever and they kind of send yeah over we do a little bit of that okay, like yeah. he's got to set up at his place. Okay. So I I mean he's one of those guys I feel really really comfortable just um, if I'm doing a single mm-hmm. and it's not worth uh, or if we're on a time crunch or whatever and I I know his sense. I mean we've done so many sessions now. Yeah. I I know I have a really good idea what he's going to bring to a track. And so I could send it to him and he's going to, um, especially if it's a budget thing, I know what he's going to send me back Yeah, is, sure. is going to be great, but that'll never, that'll never trump the experience of us getting in a room together and collaborate, collaborating together on tone and, and just part writing. Sure. Um, I mean, that's always, that's always going to win yeah, over farming definitely. out tracks. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at what else I've, what do you got? So so you're doing a lot of projects from home, uh, which we were talking about before, like having Mm -hmm. a routine of getting out in the morning and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, going to get Mm -hmm. coffee so you don't go insane. How often, like in your day to day, like deep dive of your, you know, routine, how often is it you being home, like doing your stuff? you know, by yourself for the most part and how often in a week are you actually having people over to track or to work with the artist or that sort of thing? Yeah. I I find that it's really seasonal, man. Like, um, and yeah, it's, it's just seasonal. Like some, some, some weeks I've got sessions every day. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm really in the thick of a couple projects, like, you know, I'll have a a guitar session or have a couple people come by and you know, sing BGVs or whatever. Yeah. And man, sometimes like towards the end of a project, it's, it's just me, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's, it's a lot of times with me sitting in my studio and pro tools, just working on tracks and, yeah. and trying to finish stuff up or, or doing mixes. Um, so it, man, it's, it really just depends. Like I've in, you know, in four and a half years of being here doing this, I've, I've tried to find some kind of, consistency um and there just isn't a whole lot yeah it's it really is it's it's just really is different every day yourself 
So you have some like, you know, routine, yeah. you know, of, I've of, tried. Yeah. I've tried like kind of maintaining hours, mm-hmm. like saying, Hey, I'm going to, you know, work from like eight to six or something like that. Right. Um, but for me, it just, the idea of it's great. Yeah. Um, but like my wife and I, we don't have kids mm-hmm. and she, she travels a lot for work. So like, for instance, uh, in a couple of weeks, um, a band that I've, I've been working with for about a year, year and a half called Vacation Manor, mm-hmm. um, a band I love working with. They're coming in to do a single with me. And um, so we'll work around the clock, man, yeah, for, yeah. for three days while they're here. And then they got to head back out. Um, so that's that's really no time to try to like say like, oh, I'm going to be done by five. Yeah, you know, sure, sure. Because my wife's going to be home from work. Right. Like, like her and I, we just get it. Like, yeah, we we've gotten pretty intentional and pretty good about taking the time that we do have and really trying to unplug mm-hmm. and and just be there with each other and yeah and i feel like that's man that's i feel like that's just what everybody kind of has to figure out for themselves like, mm-hmm. and if we had kids man it'd be totally different yeah, yeah and when we do hopefully um it will be different and i'll like my friend ben ben shive he's a producer he's he he keeps really consistent hours you know, yeah. he works i think from like nine to six and then he hangs out with his kids from six to nine and does homework and yeah, eats right. dinner and hang, chills with them. And then a lot of nights he has to go back to work at like nine and works for a couple more hours. Sure. And yeah. It's, and you, yeah, the kid routine, like it's different than blocking out because you have to block off time when, obviously when you're married and in a relationship, but you don't, you know, it's, pro- it's less of a block. You don't have to block off like, straight all these hours yeah. necessarily you can do a lot of things around each other but you're not necessarily doing the exact you know yeah th- with kids it's probably a lot more concentrated energy i would imagine that you right. would be pouring right into and yeah you, uh, you'd probably feel increasingly you know worse the more that you don't have that happen because right you see them changing and yeah and I'm, i mean it's, it's funny if, for someone who doesn't have kids it's something i think about really mm. often, you know, cause like running a home studio is one thing. Like when you're it's just my wife and I, but like yeah. once you have kids, like, you know, it changes, it changes everything. Cause I need centric? to be loud when I need to be loud and I need, yeah. I would need them to be quiet when he, so it's like, you know, once we have kids, like we're, I'm probably going to have to, we're probably going to have to move and like yeah, kind of reevaluate right. our whole situation. <laughs> so it's just, you know, you learn how to really hold things with, you know, with open hands mm-hmm. and, just kind of keep things fluid and take it a day at a time. Yeah. I've heard that. I like that saying, like, especially from a spiritual standpoint, like the open hand one, but I was just visualizing it from any kind of practical, like (laughs) non-spiritual application. Yeah. Saying that you're going to hold something with open hands almost just sounds like you're not holding anything. Could you hold this door for me? It's like, yeah, just just damn, hold the door. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've thought about if I, when I get like a place, uh, like an actual place, a house, I probably am going to end up trying to shoot. Like if I'm actually going to end up investing a house for something that has some kind of back, like, you know, garage that's mm-hmm. convertible or something that's off, at least from like a, I mean, I like it too. Cause if with kids, especially and without, it just gives me that like mental place mm-hmm. to like go and work. Cause I don't do well with like disrupting mm-hmm. the flow of once I'm like in it, it takes a lot to get out of it mm-hmm. and then come back. Yeah. And my social brain like takes a lot to turn that back on. Yeah. Just turn it back off. It's tricky, like, man. I'm, I'm kind of similar, but I, 
you know, I've, I mean, my drum room is our living room. Yeah. So half of our living room is kind of like sanctioned for, for my, it's, my drum kit stays set up. It stays mic'd up yeah. all the time, which is not ideal. Right. It's just not ideal because like my wife and I will be sitting on the other side of the room, like watching Netflix and hanging out and eating right. dinner or whatever. And then there's my drum kit that's like staring at me like, hey, I remember you have all these tracks to do right. tomorrow. So there's no separation. There's not a whole yeah. lot of separation, man. Like I, you know, it's, but it's like, I'm not going to complain about it. Cause yeah. it's, and my wife is totally cool with it. Mm-hmm. Like, and people, it's funny. Like when people walk in, they're like, man, your wife must be a saint. I'm like, yeah, she is. Yeah. And she just doesn't care that much. Right. Like, right. I married like one of the lowest maintenance people I've ever met. Yeah. And like, and so it's, she just she couldn't be more supportive and, um, yeah. Yeah. So it works out. And, yeah, man, I'd love to have a place that had like a detached two or three car garage that I could convert. And mm-hmm. but you know, we'll see. We'll see if that's in the cards when yeah. the time comes. Because it's just money, baby. Yeah, right. Increase, <laughs> and every year that goes by, it's a lot more money if you want to be anywhere close yeah. to town. It's true, and that's the, honestly like I would, I would consider downsizing mm-hmm. my space. Like, um, and man, I'm really fortunate to have like some square footage and like a large drum room. Mm-hmm. But I know that if if we move closer to town, like it's going to get squeezed, Yeah, you know, and and so that's, but moving closer to town is important to us. So that's something that you just kind of reevaluate and, you know, and like as, as my budgets hopefully incrementally increase, um, then you, I kind of start looking into like, Hey, is it, is it more economical for me to, to rent out a drum studio when I need to track drums? Mm. But, Man, I, I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there because I love having a drum space. Where Especially I can, when you're playing it. Yeah, when I'm playing, like I'm I'm not on the clock, and you know I can I can get weird with with mm-hmm. stuff, like weird with drum sounds and setups, and I just love having a live room yeah. where we can track. I mean, mic up the room if we want to track, you know, electric like put amps and through amps and cabs and stuff in there, and yeah. instead of relying on like digital reverbs like we'll mic up the room yeah sure and capture the whole space like i love having that as a as an option and and i use it all the time yeah yeah that would be that's one of those things where like if you weren't a drummer you could probably justify easier not doing it you know you know renting out and or if you had a drummer friend that had his own rig set up you know and you just rely on him Mm. but yeah if, if you can if you're doing it all yourself and that gives you that flexibility to be able to just to not have people sitting over your shoulder whenever mm. you want to come up with a part. Yeah. I think that's a lot more, that's a lot more, uh, probably creative than mechanical. Like if you have four takes and you have people waiting mm. and you have six songs to get through, you're going to come up with what you need to get through it. But if you have the, uh, the, uh, the day to do drums and you kind of have, you know, yeah, it's like drum day. That's like, yeah. there's, there's like all this pressure, but man, it's like the, the more stuff that I work on, the less, I'm recording just straight drum tracks on a song. Like I'm so often, and I love doing this, but like, like just layering drum sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, like taking acoustic drums and, and, and building a track almost like a pop song. Yeah. Right. Um, for non-pop. Yeah. For non-pop, for, for independent, for any rock, any pop. Yeah. Like, um, got anything, dude. Like I just, I love taking just, 
I mean, man, I've taken like bourbon bottles mm-hmm. around my house and, and just I just them. beat the crap out oh, of yeah. them and record it. And I'm like, I'm a drummer, so I can hit anything and make and produce a noise out of it. So right. just like really exploring, I can just get crazy with it. And I mm-hmm. love that, like that I can do that. And I'm not like looking at my watch, like, oh, we got to be out by five. <laughs> We're paying an engineer. And, yeah. and they're you know, wondering like, why I keep bringing in more bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you bring in bourbon, they'll stay longer. That's true, yeah. And but you have to drink it to get the right sound. That's exactly that right. Bottle, that's so. that's Bible truth right there, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Depending on your interpretation. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. I've uh, we have a drum set up upstairs because our roommate is a drummer. But when we were we were all looking to find a place together, and that was like a big factor of like. I, we were not wanting to have the living room, you know, the the attic or the add-on space besides the, the main living rooms and the bedrooms mm. was kind of like a huge plus because we weren't, we didn't want to be walking around that, especially when it's like a roommate situation where it's like, we're not all right. drummers. So right. it's a, a little easier when it's a shared like marital space. Cause it's like, well, I'm mm-hmm. going to put up with this from you and <laughs> you're going to put up with this from me. And that's like a, it's a little bit easier to ask, yeah. probably. Yeah. Depending on who you're married to, of course. Oh, like, for sure. Because you could, yeah, could be a lot to ask for some people. For sure. I mean, my my wife has free reign over our bedroom, the guest room. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've got a bonus room upstairs, and and she can she can do whatever she wants. Man. Yeah. Right. Right. And and it's not like we have like these rules. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like I just I looked out, man. Like I just. We just we get along really well and cohabitate really well yeah. in that way and um and she's just super supportive like I think she just knows that this is what I want to do and that mm-hmm. our current setup isn't gonna be forever and yeah we don't have kids and you know what I'm saying yeah so, with the kids thing pending it's kind of like everything gets taken with a grain of salt because you're not right. you know you're not camping out for thirty years right however it looks right it's gonna change oh man it's gonna change nine times yeah. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what do you see coming like down the pike? We were talking a little bit before we were recording about it, but like for your next, you know, five to ten years, you mm. see yourself besides you know the kid, you know, the yeah. setup situations. What do you see work wise? You see yourself staying in the same space or? Yeah, I, man, I don't know. Um, I definitely don't see us staying in the same space. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's just it's so not conducive to having little ones running yeah, yeah. around the house. Like sure. it's all single level. Um, Work-wise, you see yourself like staying in the same, uh, uh, as far as producing and all mm-hmm. that. Did you see, see that? I hope, man. consistent? Yeah. I hope so. I, I mean, there's, I love producing. Mm-hmm. I love working closely with artists and bands. Yeah. And taking something, a, a song, an idea that didn't exist and then giving it legs yeah. and form and, creating something i mean there's just i mean what's cooler than that yeah to me like didn't exist and and i love like i love mixing too like that's Mm. that's something that um i love to i love to mix i i don't i don't love mixing the stuff that i produce because i've i feel like by the i mean i've given a song or record everything that i've got and by the time i get to the end of it i feel like i've lost an amount of objectivity. Yeah, sure. Um, and I still do. I still mix a good bit of the stuff that I produce. Um, sometimes based out of necessity and sometimes because I just genuinely think I can do it the best. Yeah. You know where it's, yeah, you produced it 
knowing where it was going. Yeah. yeah. And so, but no, in the past, uh, probably year and a half or so I've been, I've been hiring out, um, for mixing, um, Shane Wilson's makes a couple of projects for me and mm-hmm. anybody that knows him or his work knows that he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, hired Andy Hunt to do a half of a record that I produced. I produced a full length last year, which I don't do a ton of full lengths. Yeah. Um, but I mixed half and he mixed half and he did a beautiful job. Um, a guy named James Joseph out of Memphis mixed mm-hmm. a pop record that I did, um, uh, about a year ago and just did a great job. So it's been, it's been a learning curve for me because yeah. like I'm really hands on with my projects and I, I really deeply invest. Um, and I just, you know, I have opinions about how things are supposed to sound yeah, and sure. feel and all that. So like when I started hiring out for mixing on one hand, I was relieved to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, I was kind of like, man, what if it doesn't go well? And, you know, but you find the people that like, even if you get the first mix back and you're not just stoked on it, like, man, these people are professionals. Like yeah. they're going to go deep with you. Like, cause at the end of the day, they want to make sure that it sounds, they want to make sure that you're freaking through the roof about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. And, and I haven't worked with anybody yet on that realm that wasn't absolutely a team player mm-hmm. and didn't work <clears throat> to get it, to get it right. And sometimes that's, that's two rounds of mixed revisions and sometimes it's six. Yeah, sure. Small tweaks here and there. And then, but once we're there, we're there and it's like, go team, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I have like a panic when I do my stuff, especially cause all I've kind of, I did, I've, I've taken a similar path in producing my stuff to the point of, you know, basically so that way it's functional and I can be flexible. Right. With, so I learned to do a lot of stuff just based off of necessity of wanting to be able to do it for myself. Yeah. Um, but then I have anxiety handing, especially cause I, with my mixing and stuff, like I will get it to a point where I'm, it's passable. Like, you know, a lot of it for the general ear would not be right. what it would be, whatever. Uh, but there's, I know there's, a, you know, that next level of people mm-hmm. who are really sitting down doing that, you know, full time and they just have better year and better capabilities. Mm. Um, but I'll have the panic of being like, I like where it's at mm. and it's just about there. But if I hand it off, you don't want someone to screw up like your take away that. Yeah. yeah. What you've done so far. I feel that way too, man. Yeah. Like I, like as a producer slash mixer, like I have the same anxiety of like, yeah. man, I really hope like it sounds like my rough mix, but better, but better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I hope, cause the fear is that they're going to lose the essence mm-hmm. of the song, you know? And like, as a producer, like, man, you slaved over every nook and cranny detail right. of the song. So it's like, man, what if, what if they don't figure out how to like, how to treat this one thing that I love so much mm-hmm. and that I worked a day on to create, yeah. you know, that doesn't sound like anything else I've ever made. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, it's, there's some anxiety and I understand like why you're, you know, your big name mixers become big names because like it's just slowly over time building that credibility and that confidence of like, okay, producer artists sit down and like, okay, we have, we have this song that means the world to both of us. And now thousands, if not millions of people are going to hear, who do we trust with this, with our baby? Oh yeah. And you, I understand why people are like, well, um, 
this person's mixed this person and this producer's continually trusted this mix engineer mm-hmm. time and time again. So like, man, let's send it to him or let's send it to her. And I get it. Yeah. And, and I think for those that want to be mix engineers, just be patient yeah. and mix a lot of stuff and um, just build those relationships and, and go deep with artists and producers, the people that are hiring you and trusting you with their, with their art and don't stop until they're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. and build a build not a clientele, build a fan base of people that just love work your work and love working with you in the process. Of yeah, it. honestly, I mean, I, I think that's I'm not one to give a lot of advice, but that's certainly advice that I would give to anyone. I think yeah. it's in the service side of the music industry because I mean, I I certainly am, and in yeah. some ways, you are too. No, totally. Yeah, it's just be a servant. Yeah, um, and someone that has taught me. And mentored me well in that way is is Ben Shive, who's a brilliant producer, arranger, um, instrumentalist, and and Brown Bannister taught him. Mm-hmm. You know, just be a servant, like show up and 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 go all in for your artists, the people that are paying you good money. Yeah, uh, and hopefully, you know, and hopefully in most cases, paying good money to render your services. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know, man. Like I, I just I feel a really I feel a sense of duty and just to serve the people that hire me to mix and or, or track drums on something. Yeah. I just feel a sense of of urgency. Like, man, I really want to make sure they're happy. And yeah, I really want to make sure. And if we're producing, like if I'm producing a record f- for someone, I my worst fear in the world is, and luckily I don't think this has ever happened, but gotten to the end of the record and the artist just be like, yeah, yeah, I just, this isn't how I imagined it. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that I, I produce in such a way that it's like, I'm always, always, I mean, it's collaborative. I'm not producing a record for them. Not in most cases. Mm-hmm. We're working on a record together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's collaborative. Yeah. And so if like, if they're not feeling something, it's like, like speak up. Like this right. is, this is a safe place. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. And, and, and push on me and I'll, you know, and there's going to be a tug of war of, of ideas and stuff. But like at the end of the day, I'm going to defer to the artists if they really, really feel strongly about yeah. something because they know better than I do. I think in most cases, yeah. like it's, it's their, their song, thing. it's yeah. their thing. Like I'm, so I don't know. And that's, I think it's just, it just takes time to kind of develop. I don't know. I guess I would call it wisdom, but like just kind of figure out what's my role. Mm-hmm. What's my role in this person's life? What's my role in this person's music and their art and the stuff that they're bringing in to my studio? Like, and and how do I fit into that? And how do I, how do I help make their music better? And how do I serve them as, as people? Yeah. You know, to me it's, and, and my, and my friend Ben, who I keep alluding to, but like he's, Man, it's producing, I think, is to use religious language, it's, it's pastoral. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Um, I just, I feel like I have a really special relationship with with the people that come through my studio, and especially the ones that we're, where we really go deep and make records together. Um, uh, we, we just come out with having gone through a journey together, but like, I mean, we're talking about art, we're talking about songs, we're talking yeah. about people's lived experiences in their life and or, or their faith or whatever, you know, like I, 
I don't just want to be the guy that presses record. Yeah, I sure. want to be the guy that that co-labors with them and like helps them figure their stuff out, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I don't know. That's, that's just me. I think it, that's just my personality. And yeah, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. I think it's easy to have the opposite for a lot of people probably of if you have your skill set and your bag of tricks as a producer or mixer or what have you, uh, and then people come to you and then you just, you, instead of seeing it as like a service, you see it as like doing them a service. Mm-hmm. In fact, doing them a favor. Yeah. Like I'm, you hired me <laughs> because I do X. I'm going to do X for you. If you don't like X, why did you hire me? Yeah. Instead of being like, which on some level I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get it, but that there's a, there's that, what you're kind of saying, this <clears throat> fundamental also situation where they're paying you to do something. Mm. So ultimately you're, you're in service to them because that's what happens when people pay you to do something. Yeah. So ultimately you do have to bow out to like my ego is what it is. And, and <laughs> I know what I'm best at and, I'm going to be able to give you the best product if I do X, Y, Z. Yeah. But ultimately I also have to respect that you're paying me to do something and I'm going to right. do whatever that is for you. I think that's super tricky for, for mix engineers. Man. Yeah. Cause being a great mixer is, I, I honestly, I think it's like, it's like 70% just confidence and like mm-hmm. 30% ability. I don't know. That percentage will change probably as I get older, but like, sure. man, if you're, if you're not confident in your ability to take someone's 20 or 80 tr- or hundred tracks yeah. and make it th- great for mm-hmm. them, uh, you're just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so there's a, like, you kind of, you have to have a little bit of an ego yeah. in the sense that like, like I can, like, I can, I can freaking do out. this like and I'm the best person to mix this song mm. or I'm the best person to track. Yeah. I mean, for studio musicians too, like, goodness, man, like talk to a studio musician who comes in and they're just like, they just had a fight with their wife and they're feeling really crappy about themselves mm. or they just, they have a lot of personal stuff going on and ask them if it affects their ability to be present and serve and do their job and yeah. like be creative and hear you know a song saying? and be like, I don't hear anything yet, but I know that I can tug at something and eventually I'll find something. Yeah. Whereas you hear it and you're like, I don't hear anything. Maybe I won't find anything for the song. Yeah. But that, I feel like that mindset switch in itself will determine whether or not you come up with some good use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really easy to get in your head yeah. too. I mean, you could really, especially, I mean, I really revere studio musicians. Um, I mean, they're on the clock. They come in in a lot of cases, not always, but like if you're, if I'm, you know, if, if I'm hiring someone, paying them a day rate and I'm like, Hey, mm-hmm. we've got these five or six songs we need to get through. And, and so, th- so they kind of know like they, on the outset of the day, they're kind of budgeting like, okay, so like we probably need to spend maybe an hour, hour and a half per song. Um, and I try to really manage that well and like keep it really light, keep it really easy and fun for everybody. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, they're like, man, I've, I've really got a lot to do in, in this day and it takes a lot of skill to, to be able to perform under those kind of pressures mm-hmm. and like to listen to a song once, read through the chart as you're doing it, interpret it on a feel level. Mm-hmm. Probably bare bones at that point, especially for like guitar or something like yeah. that. You might not have too much. Like yeah. Drum bass. Yeah. D- d- yeah. Depending down. on the song, like yeah. sometimes I'll leave a lot of latitude. Yeah. You know, if it's going to be a, 
guitar kind of a guitar heavy song so like you know like it's i just think it takes a lot of courage to be a studio musician yeah um and to show to up in these in. rooms sometimes with producers and artists like you've never met before mm-hmm. and they have expectations coming in like oh this guy's played for so and so and so and so and like you know so some, sometimes they even have like stars in their eyes and you know so you're walking into a brand new social situation yeah for one and you're working right and you're getting paid hundreds of dollars like mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure like all your gears is in order. Yeah, right. Like there's just a lot. And you're so, probably hauling it in over your shoulder. Yeah. Like out you don't of have cartage anymore. Someone. Like yeah, like you don't have people doing that stuff for yeah. you. So, um, man, I just, I just think the world of, of people that continue to show up in this industry, musicians and artists and yeah. mix engineers and like songwriters who just they don't know, like, you know, like a guitar player could lose a finger and it's over, right. you know? It's, so they've just, you know, or your, a mix engineer could suffer high frequency hearing loss. And, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Like, I don't know what else to do. So I just think it takes an, an enormous amount of courage, commitment, and like on some level, just like naivety just, just to say like, hey, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, yeah, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Think, I think it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. I just have so much respect. And part of it's just because that's been my own lived experience of, of of jumping out of the airplane and not pulling the parachute and yeah. you know, and and that's not me patting myself on the back. It's like and we we you and I were talking about earlier, like, you know, we like we know a lot of people that move here for a year and decide it's not for them. Like I have absolutely no judgment for yeah, those people. Yeah. You know, it, it it comes down to a lifestyle decision. What kind of life do you want to live? Like do you want to live one where you you know you have certainty in and how you're gonna be taken care of and you're paid yeah you know bi weekly or or you know whatever and there's consistency there. Um and honestly I'm kind of that way mm-hmm. but I want to produce music more. Sure. Then I want that yeah. consistency and that and certainty. And it might change when there's three kids running in the house all of a sudden yeah. the oh, man, what you want more can can change throughout your life yeah. and you never know. So I, I think you asked five or ten years and and I'm like I'm a goal setter. I, I've got I think existentially about what I do all the time. Yeah. Like, gosh, like like what am I doing? And is is this you know, am I changing the world for better or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And um Yeah, I, I just yeah, I don't know, man. Like I I hope I'm doing this in ten years. Yeah. I really do. Like cool. I'm gonna keep showing up. Like the past there have been parts of the past four and a half years that have been some undoubtedly some of the hardest years of my life. Like, yeah, God, man, it's some part of it has been, parts of it have been terrible. Mm. And I've had health issues that have, have mucked things up for me in some ways, but it's just like, no, I still want to do this. Like I'm still going to show up and figure it out. And because there's just nothing else I I really want to do as much as I want to do this. So I, I just think people, and it's just a lifestyle thing. Dive in. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So it's it's not it's not that I'm better than anybody else. It's just I kind of have an idea of what I want in life, and yeah, and and I'm an amount that I'm willing to sacrifice for that. So I so for today, I'm you have I'm half good a with that. Room, yeah, that's okay. What's that? I said you have half a living room, and that's okay. <laughs> that's true. It's, a, it's enough for me. Yeah. Um, the. Wh- I'll end in a second with 
just general advice or like you've given lots of it, but you know, anything, uh, something that jumps out that you think is worth telling to your past self, you know, coming out of Liberty, but Hmm. you're, did you want to plug it all? Any of the, you know, stuff you're working on that you're saying before that, as far as the company, the website and all that stuff you're starting up. Oh yeah. Yeah. We haven't even touched on that. So yeah, I was just telling you a little bit earlier, we were just talking about what it, what it takes to like make a living in this town Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, when you're, to use the podcast name, middle-class musician, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just, a lot of people just have to spin plates and and just figure, figure it out, you know? And, and there've been like for, for two and a half years, um, up until I guess last November, a couple months ago, I was busy with, with music, like full time every day. And I'm, I woke up every day knowing, Oh, this is what I have to work on today. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was amazing, but it's not always going to be that way, Mm. you know? And I can't, um, I can't afford to just sit on my hands for three months between, when I'm between projects. Yeah. Um, so last year I started, uh, my wife does a little bit of work for a, a marketing and branding company out of Atlanta. And they, they have a lot of clients that started podcasts last year. And um, anybody that listens to podcasts knows that they're on a huge upswing right mm-hmm. now. And I'm, I'm a huge podcast fan. I have probably a dozen that I subscribe to. And so they, so I, I know some of those people over there and they started, they're like, Hey, if we send you some of these podcasts to mix and edit, uh, would you be interested in that? And I'd never done it before, so, yeah. but, but I, but I was telling you, like I, I live my whole life in pro tools. Like I, I'm mixing and editing music yeah, it would be all day, every day. Like, it's not difficult for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, we can do this. We can try it out and see if, if it's a good fit. And and it kind of just ended up taking off, like, and they so they keep sending me more stuff, and um, a couple other friends that have started podcasts in the past couple months have approached me about doing some production work, um, editing and yeah. you know, mixing stuff for them, and like help helping them figure out how to get it on iTunes and doing the whole Libsyn thing, yeah, right, and all that, and and so I was like, man, this is actually a, like a pretty lucrative little side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can do it from anywhere. Like, oh yeah. It's great. Like yeah. you don't so, really need monitors to, to mix no, I've down got a, some, some nice headphones yeah. that I've, I'm really comfortable with. So, um, and my, like my, my laptop setup is basically a mirror image of my studio computer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's, I've got a great workflow. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is like, this is some pr- producing some pretty decent income. Why don't I actually try to like formalize it formalize it and build a website so i did um and so i bought my podcast editor.co mm-hmm. and i'm going to be launching that here in a couple of weeks um and probably doing like a a bit of a facebook push for it yeah and, that's cool and uh yeah we'll just see where it goes i mean my goal is is to i think eventually probably hire and train like a small team of editors to do mm-hmm. that and for me to kind of manage accounts and, but yeah. I enjoy it. Like it's fun. Yeah. Like, especially if you've got good podcasts to work on, have great content and they're, yeah. and they're growing. It's, it's kind of exciting to be part of that and to be able to speak into some things. And so, yeah, I'm, man, I'm just like everybody else. Like yeah. I most vast majority of days I'm producing and mixing music and, and doing that thing. But like, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays, you know, That's after my wife time. goes to bed at, cause she gets up crazy early. She goes to bed at like, 10 or 10 30 and I'll spend a couple hours editing podcasts yeah, and, sure. and getting stuff back to people and you know just 
making making ends meet when yeah. when I've got slow weeks or whatever and cool. So it's great. It works out. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good side thing. And it kind of, yeah plays with the the entrepreneurial hat. You totally. kind of get to mess with that. Which I I think you've got to have. Yeah. I mean, I you just and I'm sure you've had a, a dozen people on the podcast say that but it's it's really it's just not an i don't think it's enough to just be a talented musician or a talented mm-hmm. maybe songwriters can get away with it a little bit more but like only for you've so got to figure yeah because the infrastructure is right is, is changing so that the infrastructure is what allowed you to be just solely yeah you know artsy fartsy running around yeah. uh less and less people are relying on the powers that be mm-hmm. you know the labels and all that stuff so get smart yeah you, you got to figure out like how to how to spin a couple of plates and and how to put yourself out there and mm-hmm. um, yeah it's you've got to you've got to kind of run your thing like a business and and you know it really sucks that that word I guess has some such bad connotations with especially creative people right um, but I would just encourage people not to really treat it as a bad thing mm-hmm. it's you know you're it's it's the way you're you're gonna pay your mortgage or your rent and it's not bad to ask for money if you have a, right. something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, th- and it's, I don't even necessarily think it's bad to think about yourself as, as a, as a brand. And I really hesitate to say that because I understand how that comes off, but like people make certain associations when they think about you. Yeah. And if you want to be branded as, um, I don't know, as an author, like, you should probably write and you should probably start a blog and, mm-hmm. and you should probably, cause how else are people going to know? Like, right. so if I want to, if I, and one of the things I want to do more this year is I want to do a lot more mixing. Like I love to mix. I think I'm really good at it. And, but people don't, most people don't think of me as a, as a mixer. Yeah, right. They think of me as a producer and a musician first. So I'm, I'm going to probably be doing some, some really cheap or free mixes for yeah. some people who I really, really like their production. And I really think they do great stuff. Um, and just so that way it starts. Just, yeah. It's good for me. Out. Like it's, I'm kind of flexing my muscles in that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just great practice for one, but like, um, no, it's, it's stuff like that I want people to hear. And, yeah. and I would love to get more calls to do that just cause, totally. you know, the more and more I do this, the more I figure out like what I want to do, like what I get really excited about yeah. getting up in the morning. And, um, and that's just one of those things that I, that I do more and more of that I I'm just stoked on. I love doing it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's funny. You think of like, Oh, I want to do X, Y, you know, I want to do more producing or whatever. And then you kind of just assume that because your brain has decided that, that people will start asking. Right. And then you realize my best friends don't even know that I want to do this. Yeah. Uh, which social media and all that is, is a, is a great way to start feeding, you know, it, it is an image and is a brand, whether mm-hmm. or not you want it to be, And so if you want people to start taking you seriously as a mixer, they're not, you don't have to say, you don't have to create a, you know, a banner and say, my mix rates are, but you can start posting. Oh, don't even start. Mixes you did. Yeah. Don't even start with money. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and just people start to think, oh, I heard that his mix on this, it sounded cool. Yeah. I didn't know he did mixing. And then six months from then they have someone who needs mixing and they, you start popping into people's heads. Yeah. Just which, be really good at yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and, and sometimes that's going to mean, I mean, just you, it's about relationships, man. It's, it's getting opportunities mm-hmm. to do stuff. And there's a handful of people 
that I, w- I really want to do mix- some mixes for this year. Yeah. And they don't know it yet. Yeah. But it's it's on me to approach them and say, hey, this is this is a move that I'm I'm really passionate about and that I want to make this year. And, you know, I'd be honored if you trusted me with, with yeah. some songs. Do you want to call them out right now? No, I don't. <laughs> one by one? Nope. Sure don't. <laughs> no, but like, you know, those are conversation, conversations I'll have. Yeah. And when they happen and... And, and they might be like, yeah, man, like I've got something I can send you right now. And but great. Or if not, like no harm, no foul, because some of the guys, like some producers just have like their two or three guys that they always use. Mm -hmm. And as a producer, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get it. And I'm not like, man, I'm, I'm never trying, cause I hire mixers too. Like I'm never trying to like steal work from anybody else. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to do what I think I'm good at. Yeah. And if people like my mixes, then like, awesome. Yeah. Right. You know? Keep, keep coming back. Yeah. That's great. Um, cool. Do you have any ending, just general, uh, advice or, you know, yeah. The thing that you wish you could tell yourself when you're, hmm. you know, leaving school or whatever it was, or coming to Nashville since half the world is. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I got some really good advice before I moved here, I, I called a buddy of mine <clears throat> that was here at the time and he has since moved away, but he just gave me some really good advice. And he said, be patient. Mm-hmm. And man, is he right? Like there just, there is no overnight success here. Yeah. And if, and if there is an overnight success here, it is just overnight mm-hmm. and then it's over. And so yeah, it's a flash. It's, it really is about investing in, long-term relationships and not so that like, not in like a manipulative way mm-hmm. of just like, I think hopefully generally being a good person, but also obviously being really good at what you do. Like you've got to be good, yeah, but you've got to be a good person too. If I think if you want to do this for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and being a good person is, is ongoing spiritual soul Mm-hmm. work you know that sometimes I think you choose to do and sometimes I think life chooses for you to do mm-hmm. and in my case it's it's been a little bit of both but but probably more more so life p- holding my feet to the fire and saying you know it's it's time to grow up yeah and it's time to it's time to address some of your personal issues and and do some some inner personal work um, and that I think I can almost solely credit if I am a good producer, I think it's, I think it's so much of it is just that yeah. it's just the, it's just my interpersonal work and, you know, doing some therapy and, um, just taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the more I, I work on myself, the more I have to offer to other people. Totally. Um, so I, you know, I, I would love to make like five and 10 year kind of like career projections. And there's certainly things I want to accomplish and things I want to do. But um, I think that where I'm at right now is, is very much just taking it a day at, at, at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the least sexy answer. No, that's great. Possibly. I think, no, that's perfect. I just, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how one of the things you said of, uh, people like you were saying like i can just attribute this to 
you know, doing the self work and therapy and doing the, it's like people meet you post those things and they're like, wow, you know, you know, if they think you're, you know, really grounded or something X, Y, Z. Yeah. And they see you as like, this is so-and-so, this is a grounded person, mm. whatever that means. And then yeah, you see right? yourself <laughs> and you're like, you know, you know, the only reason is because I, you know, forced myself to do this every day or I started, you know, I went to therapy for this. Yeah. And it's just funny when people label you as being something like, well, you know, that's easy for you because you, you X and you're like, right. you know why? The only reason I'm X is because I did right. you oh, know, the whole alphabet a before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just funny when. It's kind of like psychoanalyzing like a record, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, you know, you can psychoanalyze all the external factors and like, why did this producer make this decision and why did they cut this song and, or this or that, or, you know, or why did she sing it this way? And then you hear the backstory and it's, it's nothing to do with what you would think. Yeah. Like what you thought was like a calculated decision was really just because the, the artist was feeling like really vulnerable in the studio that day. Right. And she sang completely differently than she otherwise would have mm. if, she, if she felt like insecure or threatened or defensive yeah. or like the producer was, you know, difficult with her that day. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's just about showing up and, and being in the moment. Mm. I, I really, I really do think. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, perfect. That's cool, a great man. spot to, to call it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have it up there. And then if you have anything down the line, we can, we can tag your website once it's live and cool. fill down the episode as well. Yeah. It's up. I'll, I'll plug. So I've got two websites. Oh, right. My, your current websites are still, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the podcast one. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. So, um, my, my music, I guess, website is just Kyle Cummings Cool. And that's kind of like my hub for, yep. for all music stuff. Um, and then my uh, my podcast editing thing is, is just mypodcasteditor.co. Okay, perfect. We'll yeah. Those both up. Yeah. Send people that way. Awesome. Cool, Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, it. man. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah.